it is our goal to supply the local market in South Africa. We we want ICANDA to be available. We want patients to be able to get it. The I said that we're 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 our, our, our focus is on being a cultivator. Our focus is also making sure that patients are able to receive our product. So if a patient wants our product, if they think it will help them, then it's our goal to make sure that they can get it. So wherever possible, we'll try to get the product to them. Lekker Dagger. South Africa is quickly making a name for itself in the ever-changing cannabis landscape, and companies like Medcan are looking to get a foothold on the global medical scene. We speak to co-founder Mikhail Zolman to find out more. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Lobster Pot Podcast. I'm Dave Barton, co-founder of uh, Thermidor and co-host of the uh, Lobster Pot. Um, Here is my co-founder and co-host, Jamie Bontron. Jamie, it's November already. How are you finding it so far? I mean, two days in. Do you know what I was going to lead with? I was going to lead with the cliche thing of, I don't know where the time's gone, but I really don't. I have genuinely no idea why it's November. I know. I, I, I know. It's kind of good because there's lots happening in November. Most of all, uh, for us, MJ BizCon, which is going to be cool. Um, and we also have a guest today who, I'm not sure, are you, are you going to be there? Are you going to be at MJ BizCon? Um, I wasn't planning on being at MJ BizCon. I am going to be at the cannabis, the, the medical patients cannabis awareness week this week on Friday, but not MJ BizCon. Excellent. And we have our guest who's already introduced himself, but we'll introduce him formally again. It's uh, Mikhail Zolman from MedCan um, based in South Africa. So welcome to the show, sir. And uh, yeah, so you in London at the minute or in the UK at least, aren't you? So, yeah. you, so do you kind of split Thanks, your time between, between the two a bit, between here and yes, in South Africa? Uh, We've got our operations, Medcan's operations are based in Johannesburg. Uh, I'm originally from Johannesburg, born and bred, um, but I haven't lived there for a while now. So I just try to split my time as much as I can, although I find myself spending more time in the UK rather than in South Africa. But um, I do spend quite a while in South Africa at the business, obviously. Um, yeah. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about, about Medcan and um, your journey so far and uh, a little bit about South Africa as well. I mean, we hear lots, I mean, you know, around South Africa. I mean, it's obviously a great growing climate for, for cannabis. And I know the legal situation is sort of different to the UK. So tell us a little, about, little bit about yourself and uh, Medcan. Sure. So um, my name is Mikhail, as you said. Um, I'm one of the founders of Medcan um, and I'm the CEO. Uh, we started the business officially. We started the business quite a while ago. It's, it feels... I think it was about six or seven years ago where we had the idea, let's say. So um, we, a few of us, we, we wanted to start a new business together and we were exploring different opportunities within the country. And in about 2016 or 2017, they changed the law uh, in South Africa to allow for the cultivation of, of medical cannabis. So that allows, that allows one to apply for a license, um, et cetera. You can apply for the license, and then if you if you are lucky enough to be awarded a license, then you can cultivate cannabis. So at the time, we got wind that this was coming, um, and when I say we, there's a few of us. Um, so uh, a couple of family members, my father's involved, uh, my sister joined later on, and then a few very good family friends, let's say, um, property developers that we we kind of approached and said, listen, we've got this crazy idea having never done this before ever, but let's go. We want to we build an indoor facility. We want to we try get a license for cannabis. And um, they basically said to us, well, we've got the perfect, um, we've got the perfect uh, property to do it. 
at which point we we thought okay fine so it used to it was an old beer warehouse actually that used to belong to sa breweries it's a bit romantic that we took like an old beer warehouse and converted it into a fully indoor cannabis cultivation facility but that's what we've still got funny we've still got some of the posters actually that sa breweries left behind so when you come to the facility there's one poster of just beer it's, it's kind of funny but um yes yeah, so that was the, that was a perfect warehouse at that point we brought on board another partner uh Dumani, who's our responsible pharmacist and other founder of the business and together we started to build medcan let's say so we took this we gutted this this um, warehouse um we designed a new a new kind of facility from scratch um the three I, I joke but at the time it was around 2016 2017 we were very fortunate to be introduced to a lot of cannabis cultivators already um obviously not in south africa because it didn't exist but a lot of uh, one specifically in israel who guided us or meant let's say mentored us we still owe him to this day but the three that will forever haunt us are gmp um and so he mentioned to us at that stage is like whatever you do you have to build a facility that's up to gmp standards gmp spec and so at the time yeah yeah sure gmp yeah yeah sure sure um again having never done any of this before we had to go and do our homework um but thanks to that when we were designing the facility we we had in the back of our minds that it had to be to gmp standards and so we built the facility um around uh 2020 we were licensed and then COVID happened so the massive lockdown we couldn't really get the ball rolling couldn't do what we wanted to do and then we started cultivating towards the end of 2020 for the first time um and ever since then we've just been full steam ahead so we're relatively small i i don't like to say we kind of use the word craft i don't know we are sit on using the word craft cannabis as you know as but we are let's say let's craft batching or craft uh, small batches of, of medicinal cannabis we really are we really try to focus on the patient so for us the patient comes first and rather than trying to produce a lot very quickly we really wanted to get like a really good product out there um from day one and so we decided to go s to start small and to expand rather than to start big and and uh, not have a really good product and so yeah that's in a nutshell that's us we're a really small team we're an amazing team most of the guys and uh, most i say guys most of the the people at medcan have never done it have never been in cannabis before which is quite unique i think um our approach is quite an analytical one even our head of cultivation he is a plant person so he, he absolutely loves plants so yes he has an affinity towards cannabis but he's not one of these like typical cannabis yeah. people that you know. so mm -hmm. really unique really fun um and it's allowed us to kind of over the last two years create a really nice product at least i think so so yeah yeah so yeah i mean say so you're obviously sort of growing indoors in in south africa how come not outdoors you've got like i say you've got the great yeah. climate you've got the kind of what we call like a mediterranean climate but opposite side of the uh, of the world so to speak is it not is that part of the sort of uh timeline are you hoping to kind of get an outdoor facility or something like that or um, yeah what, good what, question yeah when we started so i said when we started we approached a fr some friends of ours that had that were property developers mm. so i think kind of what led us to going indoors number one was that we had an indoor facility uh, indoor property and then we, mm -hmm. when we started to kind of dig the surface a little bit we we realized that actually the market wanted indoor flower um okay. so there was some and again 
whether that's the right view or the wrong view, but there was some there was extra capacity or there was already lots available from an outdoor point of view. And we thought it would be more unique. Um, our understanding was that indoor is a higher quality product, um, although it comes with much more challenges, let's say, um, as opposed to outdoor. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the 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 thinking. We had an indoor property available, or we had a property available that was fully indoors, and we wanted to grow an indoor product to kind of, you know, our understanding at the time, naively or not, was indoor equals better quality. People can debate that, and so that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to run an indoor facility, and yes, I agree. The climate's very good. The you know we've got amazing sunshine. So unfortunately, you give up that. Um, we're hoping to use the sun to generate our electricity down the line. But yeah, you have to give up the, the power of the sun for an indoor facility, which is a pity. But yeah, that was kind of the motivation. What are some of those challenges of growing indoor? You know, as, as, as people who aren't growers, we, we'll sit here and be, we'll be the layman, we'll play devil's advocate. Why is it so much harder? Surely it's more controlled. Surely, you know, what, why is yeah. it more challenging than just uh, than, than leaving it free and letting nature take its course? Where do I start? Uh, I think... Um, so it's, I think it's, it's, it's a difficult question to answer. There's a lot. I think that, that there's double the challenges in that. I can't, I'm hard, it's hard to separate the startup challenges from the cultivation challenges. So let, we're a startup. So we've got all those startup challenges. And then at the same time, you've got this like, I, I used to work, I worked for a few years in tech, right? And so the way I compare it, to, uh, the, the way I explain it to people is usually in tech, when you're building a tech product, you you need to make a change. You kind of speak to the developers. You write the, sort of like the the brief, and then like a few hours later, the developer gets to it, pushes the change into the code, and you see the results. With an indoor facility, when you need to make a change, it's first of all you have to wait for the current crop to be done because you can't make the change when the current crop's there. So three months, if you if you lucky at the beginning that you you see you need to make change, three months later you can make the change. And then you have to wait and three months after that to see the results of those changes. So I think the biggest challenge is having patience, let's say, or, um, and I'm not a patient guy, I'll admit it, it's one of my faults, but this business has taught me a lot of patience. But um, it, uh, from the cultivation point of view, I think humidity is a big challenge for people. I think in general, it's, a, it's something that is shared amongst the industry. So controlling your humidity in an indoor facility is very challenging especially in a place so our facilities up in the in the high felt so that gets extremely humid in the summer so it rains a lot in the summer rather than the winter so although you are treating the air before it comes in when you're sucking external air into your facility you are bringing with it the humidity so um, controlling that is very difficult very expensive and very energy intensive and i think also another challenge is you don't really know what you need until you actually try to run the facility. So I said we were very naive in the beginning. We were. Um, we built the facility with some help from some consultants, some people that were smarter at the time than us. And then you, you kind of, I think it's like anything, you, you start to run it and then you're like, well, actually the way that it's built here is not the way, the most optimal way to do it. And so we need to make those changes. And that's kind of been our, our journey and our lesson. And so yeah, I think the physicality of it, that it's a physical thing that needs changing is a massive challenge. I think humidity, pests, obviously, if you talk to any cultivator, the, the number one thing on their mind is pests, um, live pests, microbial pests, all of those things is like massive <laughs> because you could basically lose your whole crop. It's, like, it's very binary. 
Um, I guess you're so, dealing with ac actual bugs rather than software bugs kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's a massive thing because, you know, also, again, it's, I go back to like the startup thing is when you're so, when you're, when you're a start, <clears throat> when you're a startup, every crop matters, right? So losing a crop so early on is kind of detrimental to your business. And yeah, and kind of just those are the, yeah, those are the finding our way in the industry and trying to be transparent. Um, think a lot of people hide a lot of people hide behind the fact that they grow in cannabis or that's a closed facility but we've also tried to be as transparent as possible and try to like get people to appreciate the challenges that that we as a cultivator have and so like mm -hmm. the 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 it's i'm not going to say the worst thing but it's very it's very different to growing a few plants in your bedroom let's say right or in mm -hmm. your attic or in the proper the vacant property and so i think once you go beyond a few plants, the challenges are exponential. And so it's just, we try to translate that so people can kind of understand. Again, that's why we didn't go so big so quickly. Um, we wanted to to go big enough that it was a commercial business, yeah. let's say, but not big mm -hmm. enough that we had to compromise on trying to, on cutting corners. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And in terms of your actual business model itself, are you simply sort of growing? Are you exporting only or are you able to sell within South Africa itself? Or I know you're obviously active here in the UK as well as a supplier. What, what's the, uh, what's your, how does it stack up at the minute? Yeah, so we've got a product. The product's called Isando. Um, there's a few potencies. Um, most recently, the one, the, most, the one that just arrived in the year is Isando 20. So that's 20% THC. Um, we're we are a cultivator our main focus is to to cultivate uh trim package really high quality medicinal cannabis flower um we do that at the moment we export it getting involved in the south african market for us has always been the goal as a south african we are very proudly south african business um when our prop when our product arrives in the uk it's labeled as you know made in south africa we love that uh, and we're very proud of that um, at the moment we aren't able to supply at least we don't think we're unable to supply our product locally to patients because there's just no real mechanism available to patients to to get our products at scale let's say um the easy easily accessed and when i say easy i don't i don't mean easy to go get cannabis i just mean that there's a real mechanism or process in place for patients to be able to get it um, it is our goal to supply the local market in South Africa. We we want ISANDA to be available. We want patients to be able to get it. The I said that we're 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 our, our, our focus is on being a cultivator. Our focus is also making sure that patients are able to receive our product. So if a patient wants our product, if they think it will help them, then it's our goal to make sure that they can get it. So wherever possible, we'll try to get the product to them. Yeah. It's um. It our dealing with you in the past has obviously been via the CIC, so the Cannabis Industry Council, and, and, and we've learned more about what you're doing, and that's why we started talking and, and why you kind of sat with us today, because it, it's a really interesting story, and it's a part of the world that doesn't get probably enough coverage, certainly compared to other parts, and the parts that are hyped up, you know, your Germany's and, you know, uh, Switzerland's and things like that. So it's, it's really good to see. The thing that You'll often hear if you speak to Dave or myself, part of our pitch, quote unquote, when we talk to people is we create the content that we want to see. And it seems very much like you guys are creating a cannabis business that you would like to see in the way that it's structured, in the people that you work with and how that feeds into sort of local community and being proud of where you're from and, and, 
uh, and the fact that that's where your products from and all your people are from and, uh, and everything that goes into that. How much of the sort of ESG for one of a better kind of blanket term goes into the decision making you have in, in how the business is growing and evolving? Yeah, great question. So you said, like you said, our, our dealings together has been through the Cannabis Council. So we, we did that story together a few weeks ago, right? So the story we wrote was about how we recycle our medium. But if our, and medium for those listening, that it's, it's like soil, but it's not living is basically the way it's described to me. I, I thank our cultivator for, for teaching me all of these things. When it comes to cultivation, I leave it all to Adrian. So um, thank you, Adrian. Um, I think ESG is a tough one for any business and it has to come from the people within the business to drive those decisions and to drive those things forward. So again, very fortunate that the team, for the team, it's been a massive focus. So we we didn't, we, we are conscious of the fact that yes, we're an indoor cultivator and yes, we're, we're using a lot of electricity and I don't know if you know, but in South Africa, most of the electricity when we have it is extremely dirty electricity. It's not it's not renewable it's not it's i think something i read this morning that 85 more than 85 percent of the electricity generated in south africa is coal so we're conscious of the fact that you know it's it's a it's a very dirty way to produce electricity so we 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 wanted to give back as much as we could let's say or, or to 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 offset those those negative things so one of the ways we do that is our medium so we recycle so we buy the medium. The medium is, like, is a mixture of cocoa and perlite. Um, it can't be reused because if you imagine when you're cultivating, the plant goes in the medium and then the roots grow within the medium. So to put another plant there, you can't basically. And so we kind of had to come up with a way um, to put this medium to better use. Um, it was very difficult. I must be honest. We, we, one of our, uh, our project manager, Dina, she spent a lot of time phoning around asking people, will you take this medium? And everyone was like, yeah, sure. We'll take it. We're going to charge you for it. And we'll probably just take it and throw it into a dump, which like defeated the whole purpose. Right? So if it sits in a dump, it's, it's basically sucked all this carbon, storing all this carbon. If it goes to like a landfill, just carbon sitting there. And so we were connected to Scotch um, who runs this, community garden not very far from us and so he through conversations with him we learned that he could use it um within the within his community to plant to use to plant and to mix with soil and to kind it makes it makes amazing i don't know if it's compost i don't know but it makes for a really good soil once you mix it with everything else so so he's using it he collects it in fact yeah he collects it after every crop um we donate it all to him and so he uses the, all of that. And so it doesn't go to waste. The carbon basically gets kept into the, either gets fed into the, into the veggies or the fruits that he's growing and otherwise just stays within the ground. Um, we, we built a, 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 I think the technical term is ginormous water tank outside our facility. So we, we catch all the rainwater. We try to recycle as much water as possible. Um, we treat the water in our facility so, so that all the runoff from our tables goes back into the holding tank and then we recycle that and treat it and reuse it. Um, we, are, we have recently started looking at, so, at installing solar for our electricity. That's partly motivated by ESG and partly motivated by the fact that, you know, electricity in South Africa usually, sometimes is hard to come by. Um, so yeah that's that's that and we try to do as much as we can we we get our nutrients these massive plastics um so we we try to use those drums to store water um we give them to a few of the staff members that need them for you know 
as much as we can do, we are doing. Um, we the stems of our plants are when we finish bucking and trimming, we shred them, and then whoever needs them in the winter, we give them. It makes really good. It either you can spread it on your your grass for compost, or you can actually burn it. It makes really it's it's really good for like to start a fire. Yeah. Wow, it sounds like it's, it, despite all the efforts you've gone to, it's not easy being green in that respect. It's uh, no, definitely not. It's expensive. It's costly, um, especially on the electricity front, which is why we haven't done it. Uh, you know, we are still a startup, and we do have to be conscious of how we're spending our money. And so, um, but there are ways of doing it. There, for example, I do know that there are some business models that exist now that they'll fund the the, the capital cost of solar. And then you you pay them uh, a tariff, let's say, for the electricity, and so over a few years you kind of pay back that. Mm. So that's an interesting model that we're trying, we're starting to look at, let's say. But even so, it still won't it won't negate the fact that we need electricity from the grid because we just consume so much. Um, but yeah, being green is difficult. Um, but you can whatever impact we can have, we really do try to have. Um, where possible, we also try to source things locally um, rather than overseas. As you can appreciate, it's taken a while for certain things to come to the local market in South Africa. It's, I mean, like in most places, it's a relative cannabis is a relatively new industry. We're very lucky that uh, it's South Africa is a very agricultural place, so it's not such a massive shift. But there are still things that are specific to cannabis that you know you have to be sourced, let's say, overseas. That hopefully one day soon will be will be able to source it locally. Um, yeah. And what is the kind of status of, of cannabis locally in South Africa? I mean, obviously, I, I know it's decriminalized, but um, and is do you feel like your end game would be is I mean medicinal and, and recreational? Do you feel like that's the kind of natural progression for the company, or is it something you're sort of going? Well, we'll take it one day at a time and see. Or yeah, good question. Um, again, our focus. I learned one thing in startups when during my time, and it's it's thanks to a very good boss that I had previously. But you have to have like hyper focus. So our hyper focus at Medcan at the moment is just creating a really good flower, um, and that's so that's that's what I tell the guys, the guys and the girls every week. Sorry, um, I tell them our, our focus is on creating a really really good flower, and we'll kind of go with the flow with. For now, we're a medical cannabis business, right? We're playing in the medical mm -hmm. cannabis space. We hold ourselves to, let's say, medical cannabis standards. So we want to meet those like extremely strict standards every time, if not overachieve on them. Um, what is the st status in South Africa? I'm not an expert. Again, it's just it's not our space, the recreational market. Although we do kind of know a little bit about it. So, from my understanding, yeah, you can grow plants in your garden. Let's say you can have your own uh, personal supply. From what I understand. Um, I believe that it was there were these like cannabis clubs that were opening that were kind of taking advantage of the the there was like a, a gray loophole again not an expert but mm -hmm. yeah so we 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 try to stay away from the recreational stuff um, we only want to really for now participate in the in the medical cannabis market I think I think it's inevitable that that yeah the first step is medical and the next step after that is recreational. Um, the UK still has to do that. I think, again, that's yeah. the model in, in these other countries, right? It's like, so I'm just, 
Kind yeah, of, no, right. it's, it's really interesting. I mean, the whole thing about here in the UK not being able to kind of, well, we can grow it, but we have to export it. And if we want to use it, you have to import it. I mean, it, it is crazy. And then looking at what they're proposing in Germany, then if you saw some of the things that have been sort yes. of in the news yes. recently around, you know, one of the stipulations is, you know, it has to be kind of grown in, in Germany. And it's like, okay, well, again, it would probably be, you know, indoor because I guess, Germany, well, similar climates here in the UK. It's you know, it's not it's Northern Europe. It's not sort of a, you know, it's going to be a certain way. But thinking around, it, it just kind of makes sense if you've got a sort of climate or society, or you've got a kind of culture where you know cannabis is used regularly, recreationally, medically, whatever, and you have the ability to kind of grow it on the sort of the climate and things like that. That it just seems to sort of feed into itself, doesn't it? You think you, it just kind of makes sense that those sort of things would happen and it's you know i think it's just kind of interesting when i think there's so many kind of great areas around policy and and things like that and it's like well what can you get away with and it always feels like there's a need to kind of push up against those sort of things when it comes to especially when it comes to sort of recreational cannabis it's like you know what's permissible what isn't like they have in in the netherlands where they have the kind of coffee shop where it's okay to to buy it but where's the you know the, the gray area is you know you know there's demand outstrips supply so you have to turn to the sure. kind of illegal market or recreate what do you even call it you know to actually access the product you need to be able to sell and it's uh i wasn't sure if something like that is kind of visible in south africa does it kind of operate in a similar way you kind of have dispensaries or is it just not that kind mm -hmm. of visible it's no. just very much personal use and yeah you can grow it you have your own thing and you go do that you know from a recreational perspective yeah recreational yes you know i was it's funny you asked that question we were having a discussion we had a meeting this morning actually and uh, the one uh, i asked the question and the guy said well there's no rules that say you can do this but there's also no rules that say you cannot do this we were talking about something specific and so he said mm. our view is okay well, let's try to do it and then when the regulator gets involved you kind of say well okay now we need regulation for this or we need your help with guidelines on this right so there's a lot that's still undefined, uh, especially yeah. in South Africa. So I think I, I mentioned earlier, there is a mechanism that people are trying to use to allow for doctors to prescribe cannabis. So it's mm -hmm. a special application that one makes um, that is like similar, similar in the UK, but not really to unlicensed medicines. It's almost like a, a medicine of last resort in South Africa, that there's no other medicine that exists. And the doctor is saying, okay, fine, well, you can try this this medicine that, that's, that's not kind of regulated. Um, but again, the, it's from our understanding, whether it's allowed, not allowed, I think it's a bit of, I don't know, I don't want to say a loophole, but it's just something that people have kind of, people, again, not, and I'm not taking advantage of, it's just a mechanism that people are yeah, using. It's, it's undefined uh, and, you know, until it's outright, if it's not outright yeah. illegal, then it's not, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For us as a business, we'd like some, better definition, let's say, before we jump in and say, okay, uh, here's Isando, it's now available in South Africa for doctors to be writing scripts for. Um, mm. But yeah, I think the time will come. It's only a matter of time. But things take, uh, another another really good lesson, You, you uh, Jamie, you asked earlier about challenges. Things in this industry take a lot longer than one anticipates. So, um, and I don't think it's necessarily for cannabis. I think, you know, startups in cannabis uh, just pharma, pharmaceutical regulation, all this kind of stuff, things take so long. Um, and so the joke at MedCan is that over the last few years, we've been really good at budgeting our, our finances, but we've been really bad at budgeting our time. So we often 
every time we estimate how long things are going to take, we often multiply by two or three just to be safe. And even then, and even then we're right. not, we're still under, under budgeted time. So things in this, in this space take long. Um, and so I, like all other places, I think in South Africa, it's just a matter of time. I hope, we hope. Um, but in the meantime, we actively participating in the UK. So you mentioned the Cannabis Council. So we were part of the, it's a founding cohort. We were one of the first businesses to join the council. We, we, we tried to be quite active on it. Um, and we tried to keep abreast of everything that's happening in the UK. Um, always love talking to patients. I was speaking to a few patients this week, um, just getting some feedback on our products. We, we love feedback. We love hearing from people. Um, so contact details if you want, if you're listening and you want to get in touch, it's all on our website. Um, but yeah, we generally, we do love hearing feedback. We do, we do take things on board. We're a, a relatively small team, quite nimble. And so we like hearing what people have to say and suggestions because at the end of the day, we are very patient focused. Like I said, we want to produce a really good flower, but the flower is for the patients. So it's very important to us that the, the patients are, are happy and that is working for them. Those are the best stories. I was going to say, what kind of feedback are you getting in terms of, and what 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 kind of makes you smile? And you go, actually, it, it makes it all worthwhile what we're doing. We get a real sense of this is actually really helping people. I mean, you must yeah, have so days like that. You know what? It's great. You know. Yeah, it helps. It helps get over the. It helps get over the, the bad days, right? When you're dealing with massive challenges at your facility. But no, we've Absolutely. had some some really good stories from people. We don't hear them often directly because a lot of patients don't want to reach out directly, and so the stories are via via. Um, I'm just, you know, a lot of stories like guy that people taking the, having never slept before because they've got terrible back pain and then prescribed our product and then having the best sleep they've, they've had in how long, in, in like, you know, they can't remember how long they, they haven't had a sleep like that. Those kinds of things are like, why we do it. It's really important to us. Um, the impact that it has on people, helping people treating their conditions. Um, and then at the same time, feedback on the product. um, when we started the, the the first few batches that we sent to the UK on all the we 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 had some people following the the social media stuff you know the Reddit stuff um, and so one feed one piece of feedback that people were saying were like the flower is great but the trim could be a bit better um, I don't know if they know if they had if they thought that we were looking or not but uh, as a result we like we 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 changed our trimming methods right so we we got a team in uh, a trained team in to, to trim the flower so this flower instead of being trimmed in a machine is now trimmed by hand and it's much better admittedly right so if we were but let's uh, we were naive or you know and it's one of the it's one of the reasons you can't go big from day one because those kinds of things you can't do if you're too big so that kind of feedback not only that it's helping people but also on the product has really helped us as a business you know improve our products and really make sure that it helps people so yeah that's great to hear. It's it's actual agility, you know, not the buzzword. We really do respond and, and get on with things and change them. And I suppose it's interesting having that batch cycle as much of a curse as it is in some ways. It takes three months every time and then six months really to know. It does mean that in those windows, you know when your next batch is going to start, you know when you can start doing things to, to make changes and to, to make improvements based on feedback. So yeah, that's exactly. helpful. I think yeah, it's, also, it's good to hear it quite a pragmatic approach you know it's that hyper focus you know, we'll just make good flour and not worry about the mechanisms of delivery or who can or who can't have it you know if we make good flour and there are legal markets then it can make its way to them and it can help people and, and let's not 
get too bogged down in the other stuff because we got you know pretty uh, time starved as it is because it's a startup and it's cannabis and it's all a challenge yeah you can't you have to take the challenges on the chin as well but uh yeah there's a there's been a few occasions along the journey where you know some of the team have said other people that maybe didn't have such thick skin would have given up but uh you just have to get through it you just have to you know you like you said, every batch, you're never going to get it right from the first batch. Um, it takes iteration and it takes practice and refinement and improvement and all these kinds of things. So, yeah, every batch, I don't think we've had a batch so far where we haven't made these, you know, small improvements, small adjustments, upgrades to the facility um, that it just things get better and better. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's been great to speak with you, Mikhail. Um, just as a final kind of question, what's kind of next for, for MedCam? What are you guys, uh, what's your plan for sort of 2023 and beyond? Uh, where do you hope to be this time next year? Yes, uh, that's a good question. I haven't actually thought about it. So we are, we would like to expand. Um, so like I said, we started off relatively small. We have some expansion plans, which we've started to look at um, the ability to uh, without compromising on the quality of our flour to grow more and supply more. We are looking to transition to quite a unique um, new strain. Um, so a product, the strain's less important than the, the cannabinoid profile and the terpenes, but, you know, we, 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 try, we would like to transition to something that's quite unique to us, something that's got a unique terpene profile, really um, good cannabinoid profile, um, something that the, the, the patient's, can appreciate and really like and so yeah so the plan for 2023 a bit of expansion this kind of transition to a flower that performs well indoors and that patients can really enjoy and that it works for people um and we'll see from there you know there's in this business there's a there's a lot of different opportunities um things like oils um is also something that's on our radar but again like I said, hyper-focus on creating a good flower. If oil comes as a result of that, then that's that's also cool. Um, yeah, I think expansion, um, maybe move towards a, a unique strain or unique, uh, let's say, profile of a flower at our facility. Um, and yeah, hopefully improvements on the ESG, hopefully something towards some, some step in the right direction on solar power at the facility. Um, yeah, growing the team. Um, we 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 love to grow the team. We've kind of we recently had a new hire for the first time in let's say two years, which is how you know that the business is kind of okay. We're at a good point now because we're able to hire someone new. That's like that was quite like a great. That was a good thing. Um, we'd like to expand the team. Obviously, um, the guys and the girls have been working extremely hard over the last years. Like any other startup, it's been blood, sweat, and tears. Um, literally <laughs> i think literally uh yeah let's say literally <laughs> in okay. some cases um yeah so yeah things will run smoother expansion um some unique products to the market yeah like yeah that's pretty much the plan really cool and it sounds like again that kind of software uh thing of uh, you know continuous learning continuous improvement it seems like it's uh again it, you can't like i think as we as you sort of discussed you can't sort of treat cannabis in the same way you can software is a living product but again some of those uh quality checks and that evolving process is uh you know you, you can't Absolutely. go wrong can you it's uh yeah. it's you know fail and learn from your mistakes and make better mistakes next time so no <laughs> good yeah, luck exactly. with it all. 
<laughs> that's the uh, I made it. We made it very clear as a team that no, no one must be scared to make mistakes. If you make a mistake, you admit it and we move on. But the point is that you learn from it. So don't try hide from it. Um, and let's make the mistake, learn from the mistake. And nothing's going to be perfect from the beginning. You know, we we know that we have to do things one way um, in order to get to a point where we can do it another way. But in the beginning, you have to go through the slog um, and do things really difficultly and not perfect. But as long as you know that, you know, that this is a this is a, a step towards doing things, the, let's say, the more correct way. I'm not going to say the right way. I'm going to say the more correct way. Um, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you very much again, Mikhail. And uh, yeah, best of luck. And we'll uh, speak with you again soon. So thank you very much. And uh, we'll thanks, see you again. Thanks for having me.